0: Hello and welcome to the Children and Books podcast. Today um, Roland Marti is with us. He's um, an expert for uh, Slavic uh, philology and I'm really happy that uh, Roland and Rachel are here with us.
1: Well, I'm happy to be here with you and uh, I'm interested in what's coming up because this is <laughs> my first podcast that I participate in. So you always learn a few new things in your life.
2: Yeah, you learn yes. the new thing of a podcast and we will learn a bit of the Slavic languages maybe. Yes. <laughs> I hope. <laughs> maybe. Yes.
3: I'm hoping I'll be learning something too. So a Slavic philo- philologist, is that how you would describe yourself? Roland? Yes. Yeah. Can you explain to to us what, what that actually means?
1: Well, philology means the love of words, <laughs> which means <laughs> okay. that I like to talk a lot, of course. <laughs> yeah. And philology as such is the study of everything that has to do with language. So it's mainly two things, it's literature and it is language. I mean, we all speak a language, or maybe more than one, and we often do not realize how complicated this is. Mm -hmm. And uh, as a scholar, I'm interested in making things complicated, so uh, I can explain them afterwards. And so we try to understand how language really works, which is not an easy task, because uh, you use a language and you make none, uh, no, or few mistakes. But how this works, that you don't make any mistakes, uh, you don't mm-hmm. really know. It comes automatically. And mm-hmm. what we do is actually look at those automatic reactions and try to find out how do they come about. Why mm-hmm. do you say a thing in such a such a way? And why can't you say it in another way? That's basically what philology is um, on the linguistic side. But Mm -hmm. then uh, also it is interested in what has been said and especially Mm -hmm. what has been written, that is, in literature. Well, that's, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. nowadays, of course, we'd be interested in what is being said and what is being recorded. So <laughs> I might analyze the podcast that we're uh, just recording now <laughs> and uh, find out <laughs> how a podcast works because I've yeah. never been interested in podcasts. So I might uh, just do that, provided <laughs> I get a recording of it.
3: Oh, yeah. so new areas, <laughs> and did it?
1: Excuse me?
2: A new area of study for you. How interesting.
1: <laughs>
2: yes. And and how is it when you look on the philology? Was it a help for you to learn a couple of languages? Because I know you really know a lot of or some Slavic languages. Was it important to be on the student side too?
1: Well, of course. I mean, um When I grew up speaking no Slavic language at all, and Mm -hmm. now I speak some of them, I understand, I'd say, almost all of them. And uh, that, of course, you cannot do by just uh, sleeping. You have to learn them. But uh, after having learned two or three languages, uh, number four, five, and six come on rather easily. Uh, because Mm -hmm. they're all uh, related in some way, even though each has developed its own well, um, set of rules and its own vocabulary and so on. But Mm -hmm. still, there are quite a few uh, common points in these languages, and that makes it easier to learn and to understand them but it makes it more difficult to speak them properly mm-hmm. because you okay. always have influences from the other languages. Mm-hmm. It's just like when we speak English, I'm sure that uh, Rachel will realize, well, this is not the proper word. This is not the word I would use mm-hmm. in such a context. So, mm-hmm. And this might be because German influences our English.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, uh, yes.
1: So, that's just the problem of interference, which mm-hmm. uh, is the nasty side of speaking several Slavonic languages but
2: yeah, yes yes, yes.
1: <laughs> that's just the way it is
0: it's interesting I, I i actually grew up with um two Slavic languages, and then in school, I learned uh, Russian as well as a um um option because uh, in our school, we could we could uh, choose French or uh, Russian, but I already knew some Slavic languages, Slavic languages, so it was quite easy for me to to learn Russian on that level, and Dusan also helped me a lot with that, and uh, now I can understand multiple other Slavic languages. So if someone is uh, talking, for example, Polish. I understand a lot of words in it. I don't. I don't. I, I couldn't speak Polish, but I understand what they say, mm-hmm. and that's also interesting. With our bilingual books, um, we we just had this this new series where we are mixing uh, German and, uh, for example, Polish, so uh, learners could learn um if more efficiently or in a different way. And um, I was wondering, what do you think, Roland? Uh, how is are the Slavic languages and the, the speakers evolving right now is is there is there something um happening or are there more speakers than before or less speakers than before
1: mm-hmm. Well, it's hard to say. It depends uh, on how how many children are born, of course, but that's probably not what you're interested in. It's uh, probably the question how many people learn Slavonic languages or Slavic languages um, as a second or a third language or whatever. And here I should say until, well, uh, probably – 1989, when the East, the the Eastern Bloc, as it used to be called, mm-hmm. um, just disintegrated. Until then, of course, uh, Russian was the first official language to be learned at school mm-hmm. in this block. And mm-hmm. afterwards, this changed very fast, and uh, English took the place of Russian in most of those countries. Mm-hmm. I mean, Poland, uh, and Czechoslovakia in those days still, or now the Czech Republic and the Slovak Republic, and so on. Mm-hmm. And so the Slavonic languages have lost some of their foothold, at least in uh, mm-hmm. Central and East Central Europe and in Southeast Europe. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. It uh, has still retained its position in the former Soviet republics, Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan, and so on, where Mm -hmm. uh, it is still used uh, by Mm -hmm. many people as one of their preferred languages. But it might be that even there, um, English will continuously make more inroads into this area. And so, actually, one would have to say that the main Slavonic language, which is Russian, has lost quite a lot of territory, which Mm -hmm. you may regret, but it's a fact.
3: But the main language, having lost some, um, some territory or influence, do you think the the minority slavic languages are on the increase at the moment is there more interest in in reviving these um more ethnic slavic languages
1: Well um you probably have to distinguish between those languages that are official languages somewhere okay. uh, state languages whom I call them uh, more or less, and the ones that are real minority languages. And those that are state languages, uh, I think they they are more or less stable. They have their position. Some of them have even improved their position uh, by – Uh, due to the fact that their state entered the European Union and thus Mm -hmm. their language automatically became one of the official languages Mm -hmm. of the European Union. And if you know how much uh, paper is produced by the European Union, then you realize (laughs) how much translations will have to be made into Croatian, into Polish, into Czech, into Slovak, into, what did I forget? Slovene, I think. Um, What else? Mm -hmm. I think that, no, into Bulgarian, of course. Bulgarian, <laughs> How could I yeah. forget? Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, this, of course, gives those languages some more weight uh, on, mm-hmm. uh, on a worldwide level, as it were. Mm-hmm. But yeah. this also creates problems because uh, these languages then create their own legal language. Mm -hmm. So, just as they say, you probably know that, Rachel, that uh, in Brussels, uh, English is now more or less the dominating language within the European Union, but this is not the English you speak, and it's not the English, the British, uh, the the English speak, Uh, it's not even the language the Americans speak, but it's Mm -hmm. uh, EU English, as they call it which Uh is quite different. And the same thing happens with, for example, Polish legal language. There Mm -hmm. are terms in that language that are not used in Poland. They're only used within the European Union. So ah. the European Union cre- creates a sort of language of its own, which is rather mm-hmm. strange, but wow. it's also interesting, of course.
3: Yeah, that is very interesting, isn't it? And particularly when you talk about, you know, the legal language, because that is and does, you know, necessarily have to be so precise and and clear um, for people to understand the laws of each country. So that's, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, yes. And that, uh, that is a problem, but that problem existed before. It's only clearer now since you have the European Union. Um, Mm. just take (laughs) one language that has, that is spoken in several countries, German in the European Union. Now, um, it's the official language in Germany and Austria. And their legal terminology is in some cases quite different. But it is also uh, a partly official language in the the north of Italy, in the Alto Adige, or South Tyrol, as you call it. And Mm -hmm. this is also an official language in Luxembourg, and Mm -hmm. uh, one of the three official languages in Belgium. Mm -hmm. And all of these countries have different legal systems. Mm -hmm. So the one term might mean, one legal term might mean something in Germany, but something different in Austria. Mm -hmm. And one, something even more different in Belgium or in uh, Alto Adige in Italy or in Luxembourg. Mm -hmm. So that complicates matters. Ah, So you have the same term, but different meanings.
2: And let's come back to the slavonic languages. I've got a very simple but maybe very difficult question. Do you have got a favorite language?
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. No. I, I, particularly um, it I don't I don't know. I think uh, the the funniest or the most interesting slavonic language for me is bulgarian because mm-hmm. it is in many aspects, it is not Slavonic anymore. It has <laughs> uh, quite a few influences from non-Slavonic languages. From mm-hmm. uh, th- th- It forms part of what they call the Balkan Language Union. Uh-huh. So these are l- different languages that influenced each other, which mm-hmm. is Albanian, it's Greek, it's Romanian, Bulgarian, Macedonian, and they have common developments that are not typical Mm -hmm. of the other Slavonic languages. So here you can study what happens when languages get into contact with other languages, Mm -hmm. which, Mm -hmm. of course, Lubina, you would know because um, you know how strong the influence of German has been on Sorbian I mean, not in written Sorbian, because then you don't use any German words, but in spoken Sorbian, there's such a strong German influence that some Slavs think that Sorbian is not really a Slavonic language anymore. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
2: Yes, yes, I think it is how it is, yes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Or, Rachel, if you take uh, the situation in Scotland, of course, there the English of Scotland has partly been influenced by Celtic languages or Celtic, yeah. as yeah. you might prefer. I don't know whether you speak any celtic language
3: no i don't I don't um but yes so we have um, we have the Scots language in um in Scotland, which is mm-hmm. i guess you know more what you would probably class as more of a dialect, but it is mm-hmm. um. It, it is known as as scots and um as a as a language in itself and then we have gallic um yes. which is different to the mm-hmm. irish gallic um but very very similar and i think would you know would share that um what do you call it um mutual intellig- intelligibility mm-hmm. as the mm-hmm. you describe the slavic languages doing mm-hmm. yeah yeah
1: It's strange. I just have on my desk a book which says the English language in Ireland. (laughs) So you see they have similar problems. Mm -hmm. And there they say that the the influence of Gaelic on Irish, Mm -hmm. on Irish English, is much stronger than people usually suspect.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: they just don't realize uh, if it's not an Irish, uh, a Gaelic word, they do not realize, for example, that the structure mm-hmm. of speaking, of forming sentences and things like that, mm-hmm. uh, or of using um, metaphoric language, which is, mm-hmm. seems to be very typical for Irish Gaelic, uh, influences their English. Mm-hmm. So Irish English does not only have a particular accent, just as mm-hmm. your English would have, but it also has um, what they call uh, a flowery taste to it. So oh. ah, yes. Irish <laughs> like <laughs> uh, have yes. great pictures and things like that. And that yeah. seems to be their influence from Gaelic. I don't know because…
2: Okay. yeah. I'm sorry. I would say this is a very good point at the end to say, let's all all who are listening to us, let's have a look which taste has your language. <laughs> Maybe you, you, you will see or feel or hear an influence from another language. It is just very interesting. Roland, we, can, we could talk here now for hours <laughs> because Excellent. it's just interesting. Can I just say one last thing,
3: Labina? Because, um, yes. because yes. Just what you're saying has just made me kind of think about, you know, well, what Roland mm-hmm. was saying around the, the kind of floweriness in, in the, in the Irish language. Um, but it's this richness of the nuance of nuances mm-hmm. in these languages that make them so alive and yes. meaningful and full of, you know, beautiful description. And mm-hmm. so what we're kind of saying is, but there's an interconnectedness about it as well in that mm-hmm. one influences another or, you know, which influences another. And so, it, you know, there's, there's this, um, yeah, there's this process, which is continually mm-hmm. evolving, um, because mm-hmm. language does change that is, you mm-hmm. know, which is one of interconnectedness. It's about. You know, finding influences from, you know, other countries, Mm -hmm. other cultures, other languages. And I like that.
1: Yeah. You're quite right. Actually, the interesting thing is this is exactly the same thing that you can say of borders. Usually we Mm -hmm. think borders separate but quite on the contrary they also link because there is always contact across borders unless mm-hmm. of course you erect a wall then it's more difficult uh, but still <laughs> and so this is not only uh, with borders that uh, are uh, a linking have a linking element it's also with languages mm-hmm. we say the language barrier well it's mm-hmm. not a language barrier this barrier can be crossed and that's what yeah. we should do. That's what we try to do now in these twenty <laughs> minutes, didn't we? Yes,
3: yes. Round, Let's Barry, do it. it.
2: <laughs> 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 yes. Okay. Good. This is a very, very lovely end.
1: Okay. Thank you
2: to all who are listening to us. Borgimier, arrivederci Au revoir, Nas <laughs> Fedalo,